0: I won't ask you to raise your hands, but I imagine many of you here today have set some new goals for the new year, and maybe you're trying to start some new habits. Now I also won't ask to raise your hand how many of you in this first week have already <laughs> failed miserably to do any of those. But, I did read a short online article this week from Forbes magazine that was really interesting about New Year's resolutions. And it tells us something about human nature, which uh, uh, aligns with what scripture teaches. Here's some interesting things uh, from that article. 62%. Is that? Yeah. Keep going. A couple more. There we go. Uh, 62% say that they feel pressured to set a New Year's resolution. They don't really want to, but 62% feel like they have to. More people cited in fitness as a top resolution compared to improved finances, improved mental health, weight loss, and improved diet. But you put those together, that's a pretty big portion. Uh, Overall, 80% of respondents feel confident in their ability to reach their goals. And only 6% lack this confidence. Uh, Men are more confident than women, by the way. Um, Now, what was fascinating for me in this article, or this study actually, was uh, the flip side of of how people fared over the past year. Um, And here's a graph uh, of the actual, by the end of the first three months, 50% of the people have failed, okay? By seventh month, we're down to over 90% have failed. And by the end of the year, only 6% have been able to really accomplish those goals. So, That's a bit of encouragement for you that have set New Year's resolutions. Uh, The odds are stacked against you. Uh, Now, how's that for some encouragement? Well, today's passage is gonna look at the problem. The problem with uh, self-improvement, with self-help, self-betterment. Well, the self is the problem. We are the problem. We're consumed with self-improvement and self-help and self-betterment, but if the self is the problem, then tell me how self-help can be the solution. No, we desperately need Jesus to do the work of renovation in our lives. And that's also what he desires for you. And so this morning, we're gonna look at an encounter between a young, rich ruler And Jesus. This young ruler was looking to do some self improvement of his own. And he goes to Jesus, and this rich young ruler was looking for the next guru, right? The next tip giver, the next life coach to help him get that eternal edge. He's had great success in this life, but now he's looking to the life to come. And he wants to find success, uh, an eternal success. What has, must he do to inherit internal life? That's the question he asked Jesus. Well, let's see how Jesus' upside-down kingdom uh, reaches and affects this man's question. Jesus teaches us that the upside-down kingdom of God is counter to the way that we think of success in this life. To find your life in the kingdom of God, you must first lose your life. So let's look at Mark 10, 17 through 22. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we literally come to Jesus this morning and sit at his feet, I pray that this word of life might enter deep into our lives, that Jesus himself might become incarnate in our own lives. And Lord, uh, I pray that we would all see ourselves in this young, rich ruler. That we all have something in our lives that we need to surrender more and more anew every year. Deeper and deeper, you're calling us to follow you. Giving you our lives is not a one-time affair, but it is a daily, minute-by-minute decision, and call that we are responding to. And Lord, we're thankful for your Holy Spirit that is alive and active and is in this place and in every believer that has placed their faith in you. And so I believe, dear Lord, that that Holy Spirit will speak to your children this morning. We ask for your help as you make this word alive and active in the hearts of your children. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, the beginning of the new year is an ideal time to do some self reflection. Uh, most of us have some downtime. At least uh, the hustle and pace of work is at least slowed down if you don't have full downtime. And this is an ideal time to stop and slow down, to get your bearings straight, to look to the Lord uh, before everything begins up again. And even the most mature, zealous Christian can get distracted and lost in the humdrum of daily routines in life. And we need to orientate ourselves back to Christ. When Israel was at a watershed moment in its history, as they were coming back from exile and had their own new beginning, God tells them this, consider your ways. God said, consider your ways. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so put them into a bag of holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts Consider your ways. It's not a bad thing to consider your ways in 2024. Making much of God and less of us is the key to a Christian's New Year resolution. And I have a resource for you at the welcome desk uh, of 31 questions you can ask yourself to make 2024 a more Christ-centered, Christ-focused year. These are 31 questions to to reorientate your New Year's resolutions around Christ instead of around yourself. So I'd encourage everybody, I printed 200 copies, so there should be enough out there. Uh, And this is what our scripture passage will instruct us on this morning, how we can live 2024 to the glory of God instead of to our own glory. And this is Jesus's lesson to the rich young ruler. The rich